podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. De Bruyne, oh, 1-0 City, for Niles! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! For Kane! Oh, what a finish! And Chibu Puki! Salah to settle it! And Ruben Neves! William for Chelsea! And that could be the goal that seals the title for Liverpool at long last! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages... EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Mr. Two-Footed himself, it's Dave Hendrick. The international break is finally over. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know how many people are, but welcome to episode five of A Tad Predictable. I'm joined by Mr. Two-Footed himself, Dave Hendrick. Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, we've, you know, you 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 kind of are the 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 daily voice of EPL Index, and we thought it was right to bring you on. And also, Guy is quite excited after he predicted uh, a knee slide in one of the one of the games last week in his banquet or burnet so he's kind of put up a challenge to you um to see how well you do on that one uh, I, I think he's gonna have a keen ear to this to this podcast yeah, but you know why it's because he knows i'm terrible at predictions <laughs> so he's gotten himself all excited because i've been calling him gus lately uh, for a little private joke and he's upset and now he's he thinks he's going to get one over on me and he's probably right. He set you up for failure, it seems like. But Dave, I um, think that's I think that's it. I think that's exactly what he's done. Yeah, it, it it's something guy would do. He's very calculated like that, I think. Um, but speak speaking of teams being calculated, there are quite a few clubs that refused to send their players on international break. What did you make of the timing of this break and how it affects fixtures going forward in the Premier League? I hate international football, Dad. Absolutely hate it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, it is what it is. We get our season interrupted last month, this month, and next month so that people in the middle of a pandemic can travel around the place because that's a great idea. (laughs) Um, I thought the clubs that refused to do it were to refuse to release players were exactly right. I thought every club should have done it. And I think come the next one, given how things are escalating in the UK and in Ireland, I think we'll see a lot of the UK-based clubs say, you know what? No, we're not letting our players go. Simple as that. And then it becomes a standoff, and the clubs will win because the clubs have the power. Yeah, it it definitely will be interesting, and especially for for the friendly games, not even the the new European tournament they've got, but... Or you know some at least Copa America and stuff like that. There's importance in that, but some of these friendlies, I really don't see the point of exposing your players to now. Other you know other outside of your bubble, outside your control, you don't know how things are being handled there. It just seems like a scary, scary thing. Um, thinking, speaking of scary things, the the first fixture on our list it's the Merseyside derby. I suppose both as Liverpool fans, it's a scary thought that Everton are above us in the league. Undefeated, they come into this one. 
four wins on the bounce. A Liverpool team that came away with, you know, a shock loss, 7-2 to Aston Villa. How are you seeing this game panning out? This is this is a tough one. This is a difficult situation for Liverpool, um, you know, with the, the usual Liverpool bias that I think we can have on this one. Um, Everton are in great form. They've started the season better than anybody. They look completely transformed from where they were last year. And when you look at the players they brought in in the summer and how quickly they've all adapted to what Carlo's asking for them, they really have hit the ground running. Liverpool, on the other, other hand, you know, they beat Leeds in the opening day and it should have been more comfortable than it was. But defensive errors were prevalent. You know, then they beat Chelsea comfortably, beat Arsenal comfortably. Not as comfortably as it should have been, we should point out. Um, and then they went into the Villa game and it, it all just crumbled and fell apart. And, you know, when you're as good as Liverpool have been for this amount of time, eventually the wheels will fall off all at once. And that's just what happened in that game. Villa had three goals that were very, very lucky. But at the same time, they missed a bunch of great chances. Liverpool were terrible in pretty much every aspect of that game. And they will come into the game needing to bounce back. There's a lot of pressure on on Liverpool in this game. There's less pressure on Everton, but they've probably got more confidence. And for the first time since probably the, the Hodgson era... Uh, Everton will be favourites in a derby and you know it's it's 10 years to the day from the last time they won a derby until this Saturday which you know if you believe in that type of thing might point to an Everton victory it, it the stars definitely have a line for them especially this season um, you mentioned that 10 year thing it, it seems like something that could end up coming to fruition but you know it's it's a Liverpool side that will be looking for a reaction the fans will certainly be demanding a reaction mm. and I'm sure Klopp will be demanding a reaction um, there are quite a few Liverpool players coming back as well you look at the likes of Thiago who we've barely we've only seen one half from him and he should be a game changer but as you say Ancelotti's got Everton ticking there he's probably my least favorite him and Simeone are my least favorite managers to face under this Klopp team because they just seem to be so well-drilled and, and, and the perfect foil for this team. But are you brave enough to give a scoreline prediction for this one? I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, I think Klopp will, will get a reaction. I also think this Liverpool team perform better when they are the underdog. And whether that's actually being the underdog or being perceived as the underdog or just believing that they're the underdog, I think Liverpool will go into this game believing that they're the underdog and I think they'll win. I'll say 2-1 to the Reds. Yeah, that's a decent prediction. Um, I was going to go 2-1 as well, so we may as well just bank that one as a 2-1 scoreline for the listeners. Uh, I think Liverpool need to react, as we keep saying. And although it will be a tough game, I just feel Liverpool have a little bit too much. You look at, for example, Pickford as probably the biggest weakness in that Everton side, and I just can't see him pulling off the saves that that will be needed. If if he has a stellar game, maybe they can come away with the victory. But I think Pickford's going to be the downfall for Everton in this one. So it will be a a, a two one win for Liverpool. Both of us have said it. You may as well take that one uh, to to your betting betting parlors. Um, the next game coming up on our list, it's um, Chelsea versus Southampton, a Chelsea team who 
obviously on paper at the beginning of the season have a strong team. They've had uh, mixed results throughout the season. And then a Southampton team who started the season slow, two losses, come back with back-to-back wins. How do you see Chelsea, you know, getting through this game? It's it's a home game for Chelsea. You'd think maybe an international break has given them more time to gel. I, I don't know how many players went on international break for them. I think it's tough for Chelsea because you look at the amount of new players been put into that team. So you've got Mendy, the goalkeeper. You've got Thiago Silva at centre-back. You've got Ben Chilwell at left-back. Now, he's doubtful, I know, for the game. Um, But then you've got two and three in attack that are new or, you know, are changing role, changing position. So I think it is tough to try and have that much change and find any kind of continuity and any kind of consistency. With that said, I don't think Southampton did enough in the transfer window. I don't think they massively improved their team for now. I think in the long term, the likes of Salisu and Diallo, I think they'll be better players maybe next season than this season. So on sheer balance of talent, I'm going to go Chelsea 3-1. Oh, that's that's a confident scoreline. Um, well, look, this Chelsea team, as you said, it's got a lot of of chemistry that needs to be developed, probably. And against a, a Southampton team that, although they've got back to back wins, I think this might be a game that helps Chelsea out at this point in the season. I don't see Southampton really um, being able to compete with them in midfield too much. Maybe they'll be looking for counter attack goals with you know Ings bagging a few is probably the favorite for Southampton fans or I suppose a, a goal coming in from anywhere that they, they would take uh, in a game in a game away from home against one of the bigger teams but looking at this Chelsea side I I just have confidence in what would be a clean sheet my first clean sheet of the weekend um, they've not been the most stable defensively you could say but I just think at home after an international break, they're going to have too much for Southampton. A goal in either half is going to be enough to see them over the line. So I'm I'm going to go with the 2-0 Chelsea win in this one. And and then we move on to what, you know, many would say is the game of the weekend, either between this game or the Merseyside derby, I suppose, are, are the front runners. But we have a Man City side who have been, you know, they've had a weird season, a weird start. They're chasing from the get-go because they don't have their first game you know on the first game week and they're coming up against an Arsenal side who besides you know a, a, a loss to Liverpool have won a lot this season and last season and not to mention the fact that it was a it was a spirited loss to Liverpool you know there were rave reviews for Arteta and the way that they approached the game how do you feel Arsenal are going to do to um, against this Man City side, especially at the Etihad. Man City are very, very strong at home. They are generally very strong at home, though they haven't been particularly good this season. Obviously, Leicester walloped them. Um, I thought Leeds deserved to beat them as well. I really like the addition of Ruben Diaz, but aside from that, I don't think City have strengthened their first eleven. Arsenal have made some good signings. I, I think we'll see Thomas Partey Maybe not start, but I assume he'll come off the bench at some point in this game. So that's a big boost for Arsenal, who've obviously added Gabriel and Willian as well. Um, 
it's pretty clear what, what Arteta is going to do. He, he'll do what he does in big games, which is three at the back, get those wing backs to play, you know, nice and tight, um, try and compress space, try and break a block off passing lanes. I think he should have enough inside knowledge of this city team to get a result here. Uh, being honest, I don't think either side are particularly good defensively, but I'm going to say one, one. So the, the first draw of the weekend, um, I don't know if the neutrals will be excited with the one-one draw. Uh, personally, it, it seems like a game, as you said, with Arteta coming back to Man City. It's a game that he probably has penciled or highlighted in his calendar, and I wonder if the players are going to be maybe more revved up for this game than even the Liverpool game, for example. Um, you look at the fact that you know Kevin De Bruyne; he's got niggles. Um, him being a risk for this game, they, they, he probably will end up playing, especially it being a big game. But with the injuries that City have at the moment, are, are you confident with that 1-1 scoreline? Um, I'm going to personally go with a... I, I think it's just going to be goals in this game. And I, I'm probably the Liverpool side of me speaking, but I think it's a wounded City at the moment and Arsenal on the counter-attack is just going to be really really dangerous and I, I don't see how City have improved their defense uh, against a counter-attack and I'm, I'm saying it's going to be I think it's going to be a shock 3-2 three, three, Arsenal win how about yeah that I can <laughs> I can definitely see it I can definitely see Arsenal getting the win I just I think Diaz and Kyle Walker as uh, that right side pairing is is strong and I look at Arsenal against the bigger teams and they don't create a lot of chances and they are heavily reliant on either a defensive lapse or Arteta or Arteta or Aubameyang so I'll stick with my 1-1 but I, I do think there will be there there's likely to be more goals I'm just banking on Arsenal being that little bit more solid at the back and Maybe the game been a little bit cagey because, like you say, it is a wounded City team, and another defeat would be fairly catastrophic for them at this point of the season. Yeah, I don't think they can afford too many. And as as I mentioned at the beginning, they're chasing from the get go without even having played, which I think it's kind of like an unfair psychological advantage for the other teams. But then the next game, you know, speaking of psychological advantages. Man United travel to Newcastle and it's a game that Newcastle probably haven't fared well with in the in recent history. It's a Man United side that's you know, a loss, a win and a loss. Their fans wouldn't have been happy with the transfer window. That's now done and dusted. There's not much they can do about that. Against the Newcastle side that's had some decent wins, a draw thrown in there and a loss as well, just just to finish off their results so far this season in the Premier League. Do you do you see um, um, Newcastle being able to ward off this Man United side, or is it an angry Man United side coming to to Newcastle? Yeah, but it's like it's an angry Man United side in the same way that you might get like an angry teddy bear. <laughs> um, it might sound scary in the the split instinct, but it's it's not really like there's nothing to this United team. There's no reason for people to be all that worried about them. They're badly managed. They're badly coached. There's no tactical game plan. There's no defensive structure. There's no attacking structure. There's no patterns of play. 
There's no reference points in the team. It's just a mess. And frankly, I think Newcastle will win this game. I think they'll be looking at the form of Harry Maguire and getting really excited about the idea of having St. Maximum or Almiron running at him because he will get himself into trouble. United are using him completely wrongly. They're asking him to play a high line, which he's not capable of playing. We may well see Alex Tellez make his debut in this game. And while that will help in that Tellez is a bit more pace, he's a lot more attacking than Luke Shaw, which will leave Maguire having to defend massive spaces. And he's just going to get exposed. Um, they don't have a, a set partner for him. It had been Lindelof. Then Bailly came in for the last game. It'll probably be Lindelof again. His conference will be down. Juan Basak is in bad form. Their midfield is a mess. They have the attacking talent. There's no question that in terms of who they have in their starting front three, plus Cavani and then Bruno behind them and Donny van de Beek off the bench, they have the talent. The issue is they don't fit well together. Uh, so Newcastle are fairly stingy defensively. If if we're all being honest, United should have three defeats so far this season. They were roundly beaten by um, Crystal Palace. They got completely outplayed by Brighton and it was only pure luck and some bad finishing that won them that game. And obviously a, a dubious penalty decision. And then the Spurs game, they got walloped in. So for me, I, I think Newcastle win this game. I'm going to go Newcastle 2-0. Just, just, just to note the fact that you can't say Chris, Crystal Palace on this web, on this podcast without first referring to them either as d- the darlings of this podcast because they've they've been a fan favorite on this podcast. So just a shout out to Palace. Well, I'm sure we're going to speak about later on, but ju- just to forewarn you that that's the team that has been dubbed as sort of the mascots of this podcast. But um, in terms yeah, that's of this- fair. That's fair. Brighton are the Brighton are the, the the darlings of my podcast, so that's fair. Nice, but in terms of this specific game, it just seems like you know United have one loss, one win, one loss. I think Ollie's always going to do enough to keep himself in the job for for just a little bit longer every single time that the fans get angry. And, and you see the fans' angers more towards the board than towards him. So I, I think he's going to be able to pull off a win in this game. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but it, it's going to be one of those wins that they'll celebrate the scoreline, but not necessarily the performance. I'm going to go with the 1-0 Man United win. And if I'm brave, I'm, I'm going to bank a... Greenwood goal actually I think Greenwood scores the winner he's due a goal he's one of the players that I'm really impressed with his finishing and I, I don't know if he scored yet this season but it just feels like he is due a goal do you, are you brave enough to give a goal scorer yeah Callum Wilson's gonna score because <laughs> okay. he's just in great form he's gonna score against this United team I think that's Callum but Wilson. you're right about Ollie I mean the, the fans aren't going to get on... And here, this is the thing, right? The fans won't get on Ollie until the pundits and the journalists turn on Ollie. And none of the highly respected United journalists have turned on Ollie yet. And none of the pundits are likely to because most of them are his mates. So he's getting a free ride. If it was... If Pochettino or Allegri were in charge of United and having this run of form they would be demanding that they go. But because it's Ollie, because he's their mate, and because, I don't know, maybe they feel a bit sorry for him, 
uh, they just give him a free pass. So the fans need to direct their anger and annoyance somewhere. So it goes to the board. And look, the board is trash as well. But Ollie is the one who manages the team. And, and let's not be mistaken. Yeah, they had a bad transfer window. They still have an unbelievably expensive squad that was you know, put together for, of top-class players. It's, it's Ollie's fault they're this bad. It's not down to the board. Yeah, and, and it seems like the board is going to be another topic in, in the fixture that comes up after after this one. It's Sheffield United versus Fulham, a Fulham side whose you know, owner, um, Tony Khan, or at least the son of the owner, Tony Khan, also uh, owner of AEW Wrestling, and me and you both being wrestling fans, we've seen how open he's been with the wrestling fans in terms of engaging with them you know sharing his thoughts on where the company's going what they're doing right what they're doing wrong he tried to do that with fulham fans uh, over this transfer window explaining the signings that they've been trying to do do you think that has an effect on the players on the pitch and maybe in this game knowing that your owner's you know talking about players that he should have signed or tried to sign and and you you end up being in the starting lineup or are they professional enough to just get into this game against a Sheffield United team that hasn't really been doing well this season. I mean, they had high expectations after a really good season last season. Maybe it tailed off towards the end, but they they were impressive last season. They were impressive until the restart. And after the restart, they were pretty poor. They've started this season really poorly. And my concern with them is I don't think they've really improved their starting eleven. Uh, Brewster will, but you know he's he's a young striker, so you're going to have to be patient with him as well. They didn't bring in the depth they needed at centre back, Bar Ampadu, but they needed someone who's left footed as well because when Jack O'Connell is out, well Robinson has to play, and he's not a full he's not a centre back, he's a full back. They lack a little bit of quality in midfield. They lack a little bit of creativity. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Sheffield United on the Fulham side of things. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Tony Khan should have sent that tweet. I think it made him look bad as well. I think he made himself look like a bit of a mug, like he was making it up as he went along. I think one of the problems Fulham has is that there's no director of football. There's him, and he lives in Florida. He obviously runs AEW. He runs the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got far too much on his plate, and Fulham is an afterthought. And while, yeah, they've pumped money in, they're not doing it in any constructive way. I think they make good signings, but there's far too many loan signings. And my concern with loan signings, especially when you're a club like Fulham and you're in a relegation battle and going to be in a relegation battle all season, is I don't know how much buy-in you get from those players. Like, I don't know if Ruben Loftus-Cheek is going to give you the very best version of himself because he's probably not going to be there next year. The same with someone like Joachim Anderson. Like, I, I do think they're good players they've signed. It's just, you know, do you get that buy-in? And if you don't, you're going to be in trouble because when it comes down to grinding out results, they may not be fully committed to it. Um, this is going to be a tough game. It really is. This is a really close one. I think it could go either way. I'm going to go for a Sheffield United win because at some point they have to win. I'm going to say they win this game 2-1. Wow, you you definitely gave a lot more goals than I thought was going to be in this game. And I know the Premier League, in, especially this season, has been, you know, the theme has been goals, 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 goals. We even titled one of the podcasts as such uh, on this show. 
but I think this is going to be, as you say, it, it's two teams that aren't really in form, um, struggling for in front of goal, especially. And, and I think it's going to be the case in this game. I, I, I see at most a 1-0 win for Sheffield United. And I, I don't think I'm even brave enough to say who gets that one goal. Obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I'd, I'd love it to be Brewster, but I just think they'll be happy to take the goal, take the win and try and rebuild um, what what has been not the greatest start to a season for them, especially after last season. I think for Fulham, it's another loss for them, unfortunately. As you say, the amount of loan players is, is really alarming. And I mean, Adama Lookman looked impressive when, when he came on in their last game. Whether he can spark anything, I think he's going to need a little bit of time to gel with some of the players that they do have and be, be able to be an impact you're looking at the likes of Mitrovic being you know the the goal scorer for them sometimes he's not even starting the game so it, it's all up in the air for them as you mentioned with Tony Khan speaking I think it, it's just better for him not to have said anything and and to leave it at that I think it's different approaches to especially European football how you manage that from from a board level compared to wrestling maybe you know maybe he he saw how good the reaction was with the wrestling fans how open he was and thought he could bring that approach to to the English Premier League and I I just don't think it works the same way just put your head down try and sort it out in the background and 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 you know get, get the results on the pitch that's effectively what what fans want they want results on the pitch they don't want you to speak about it all too much Speaking of getting results, we've come to the exciting segment. It's going to be pretty much a face-off now because what we've done is in this rendition of Bank It or Burn It, I'm going to be giving you the exact same questions that Guy Drinkle got in the last episode, obviously with different fixtures. So for those of you that are listening for the first time, just to run through the rules again, we're going to put 15 seconds on the clock for Dave. He's going to answer five questions based on the five fixtures we've gone through and those fixtures are Everton versus Liverpool, Chelsea versus Southampton, Man City versus Arsenal, Newcastle versus Man United and Sheffield United versus Fulham. With each question Dave will just shout bank it or he'll shout burn it. We'll note down his answers and then you know we'll we'll see how well you do. The the fifth question, obviously, is the interesting one. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I may give double points for that one just because this is a face-off um, episode of Bank It or Burn It. But just for you and for the listeners so you can gather your thoughts, the five questions are A, more than three yellow cards, B, over 40 defensive clearances, C, possession 60-40 to the home team, D, set-piece goal, and E, knee slide goal celebration. So for each of the five fixtures, how do you feel? Are you confident about going into this one? Yeah, yeah, no, this is good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll start straight away. Um, I'm going to put your 15 seconds on the clock and then we'll start with Everton versus Liverpool. Okay, so question one. More than three yellow cards. Bank it. Over 40... Defensive clearances. Burn it. Possession 60-40 home team. Burn it. Set-piece goal. Bank it. Knee-slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, with time to spare as well. 
That was a really good round. Okay. We'll go on to round two. It's Chelsea versus Southampton. I'm looking at especially probably Ings if he does score. He likes a knee slide. So I don't know if, if that's going to influence your answer for question E. But your 15 seconds starts now. More than three yellow cards. Fairness. Over 40 defensive clearances. Bankers. Possession 60-40 home team. Bankers. Set-piece goal. Fairness. Knee slide goal celebration. Bankers. Oh, nice. Are you calling an Ings celebration for that one? Yeah, I think it'll be Danny Ings. That's brilliant. We definitely need to watch them knees of his, though. Yeah. And just, just, just to say, Guy is, you know, he's currently in legendary status he almost entered the hall of fame last week because he did predict in the brighton game a knee slide goal celebration but he went with Connolly, and i think it was mope that got the knee slide so was, he yeah. almost went into the the hall of fame I, I think maybe you're looking to do one one up on him so it, for the listeners that's the game to look out for knee slide goal celebration for ings to give dave the hall of fame <laughs> nomination and entry into in, into the the banquet were burning legendary status. The game three, the game that I think is going to have a lot of goals. So it will be interesting to see how you see this one matching up. It's Man City versus Arsenal. Two teams, I guess, that do like possession quite a bit um, if you're playing from out the back. But we'll go with the questions. We'll see how you do. Your 15 seconds starts now. More than three yellow cards. Bonus. Over 40 defensive clearances. Bankers. Possession 60-40 to the home team. Bankers. Set-piece goal. Bankers. Knee-slide goal celebration. Burners. Oh, nice. You're absolutely nailing this. Out of curiosity, your set-piece goal, what was your thought process with that one? It's two teams that like to play with the ball on the ground. It is, but there's also really good set-piece delivery takers in both teams. Yeah. And uh, there's also, you know, I think there's a hype. Well, do you count penalties as set piece goals? Yeah, I'll, I'll count that. Yeah, so I think there's a high. I, I've got. I think there's a high probability of a penalty in that game. Ah, uh, nice. Yep, decent logic. I can't argue with that. The next game is Newcastle versus Man United, and your time starts now. More than three yellow cards. Bankers. Over forty defensive clearances. Bankers. Oh, possession 60-40 home team. Nah, burn it. Set-piece goal. Bankers. Knee slide goal celebration. Oh. <laughs> Bankers. Nice. Well, we'll let you ah. We'll let you give that answer. I think you hesitated with the over 40 defensive clearances. I was just laughing because there's going to be with 300 <laughs> of them. That's true. Uh, to round it off, it's going to be Sheffield United versus Fulham. Your time starts now more than three yellow cards bankers over 40 defensive clearances burners possession 60 40 to the home team burners set piece goal burners knee slide goal celebration burners oh i thought you were gonna bank it to end it off but as you said there's there might not be too many goals in this game so the probability of that happening is very slim but we move on to what is probably for this podcast, I guess, 
not just for the neutrals, but for this specific podcast, the game of the weekend. It's the darlings of a tad predictable Crystal Palace against the darlings of two-footed podcast, Brighton. Um, we've definitely planned this and set this up perfectly. Um, are, are you backing your Brighton team to go against the the the, the boys, basically? the Crystal Palace legends that, that are so renowned and so loved on this podcast. I like this Palace team as well. I like where they're going. And I like the long-term kind of post-Hodgson view of the team. This one sets up Hodgson against Potter, which is, you know, the past versus the present of English managers. Uh, I think it's two teams on an upward trajectory. I think Brighton will win this game, though. I think they've got a little bit more quality I think defensively they're getting better. Lamptey's going to be a big problem for um, for Palace to deal with. And if Davy Proper's back, I think Brighton can con- control the midfield, and that'll give them a big edge here. So I'm going to go and say Brighton win this game three one. Oh wow! You know what? Actually, I'm I'm glad you have gone with the three one prediction because that only means one thing. It's a guaranteed Crystal Palace win. Thank you for that, Dave. Yeah, um, almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast, if if you bank, if you go against Crystal Palace, you're usually on the wrong side of the score lines. So I'm, I'm, I've learned my lesson, and you know, if if my predictions go the way that it's it it should go, then Crystal Palace are probably going to win the league this season because I'm too scared to bet against them winning. Oh, you know, not winning a game this season just because of, one, the fear I have of the Crystal Palace mob that will come after me. And then also just the fact that every time I say they're going to lose, they win. Um, maybe Crystal Palace fans will want me to say that they're going to lose just so they you know, get the win. But for me, I think I'm going to have to back them. As I said, they're the poster child, the franchise of this podcast. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Crystal Palace win. And I'm also going to bank in a goal scorer. Uh, it's an easy one for me because I really like him as a player. I think he does really good hold up play. Not the most clinical player and he does get a little bit of stick for that. But I'm gonna go with the Jordan IU goal in this game. Are you are you brave enough to give a goal scorer? You got three Brighton goals there. Um Yeah, Neil sure. Mopay will score. Mm-hmm. Uh Trissard will score. I'm not sure who gets the third. I think it'll, I think one of them will get two. Oh, amazing. He's given us two goal scorers, not just the one. I like the confidence and I like the extra confidence because that then further guarantees the Crystal Palace win, in my opinion. Uh, the next game coming up, it's a London derby. It's Tottenham versus West Ham. A Tottenham side that, I suppose, a, a win, a draw, a win, and a loss is pretty decent considering how they started the season last season. It's it's a better start. They're under Jose Mourinho. They've been under him for quite a while Maybe they're looking a little bit more solid. I definitely am starting to see a little bit more pattern of play in them, not just giving the ball to Harry Kane and hoping he does something. It seems like Kane's adopted more of a creative role this season. How do you see them faring against a West Ham side that seem to be on the up at the moment? They've definitely, you know, got goal scorers in there. You know, Antonio, one of Guy's favorite fantasy calls of last season he's always there with a shot for a goal uh, do you see him scoring in this game away from home and how do you see the game going 
Um, I, I think it all depends on David Moyes. If he's at the game, I don't think West Ham have any chance at all. Um, notable that the two wins came while he was sidelined with COVID. Um, I think Spurs will win this game. I think they're too strong. I think they're good everywhere. I don't think there's a weak link in the team, bar perhaps Eric Dyer. I think West Ham have a bunch of issues that they failed to address in the transfer market. Remains to be seen if they can get that Ben Rama deal across, but he's not what they need anyway. They need a left back and a centre back. I think they've been badly let down by the ownership this year. Um, I think Spurs are just too good. I, I think if Spurs don't finish top four, it's going to be a travesty for them and will cause major problems. I think Spurs will win this game comfortably. I'm going to say 4-1 to Spurs. But I do think Mikel Antonio could get a goal because he is just horrible to play against. I wouldn't imagine there's a centre-back in the league that enjoys playing against him. Yeah, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's awkward on the ball for for, for my viewing, um, which probably plays to his benefit, I guess, in, in not doing the conventional things that a forward does. But um, in this game, yeah, I, I think West Ham go unstuck. I... I don't see West Ham scoring in this game. After all the raving of Antonio that I've done, I just don't see where they get the goal from. Mourinho will be looking to shore up that Tottenham defence a little bit more, I think, this season. That's probably going to be one of his main goals because they seem to just leak unnecessary goals last season at, at times that they didn't need to. I, I'm going to go with you with the Tottenham win, but I think it's going to be a 3-0 win for Tottenham. Uh, comfortable win go on to see next week you've mentioned that they're one of the teams that will be really disappointed if they don't make top four there's another team that seems to always hover in and around top four and they're in our next fixture it's Leicester versus Aston Villa I know you've got a soft spot for Brendan Rodgers uh, particularly how do you think this Leicester side do in this game um you know I'm not a Brendan fan. I've never hidden that. <laughs> but I thought they started the season really well and they looked like they were in really good form and then they just didn't turn up against uh, West Ham for whatever reason. Maybe they overlooked them. Maybe they were a little bit a little bit overly confident, a little bit arrogant. Uh, they won't be able to do that here because Villa come into this game in really good form. Villa obviously second in the league at the moment, only played the three games. Best defensive record so far. Put seven past Liverpool. I think Brendan would like to win just so he could say that his team beat Villa when Liverpool couldn't. I think this is going to be potentially a, a fairly high-tempo, lot-of-goals kind of game. I'm going to say 3 all. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make uh, it very unlikely, but I'm going to say 3 all. That's definitely a game I would tune into. Um, I, I think... Aston Villa bounce into this game and it just seems like something that's typical of, of most teams um, unless you're going to be consistent and, and you know, and if Aston Villa are going to be consistent this season, I think this is one of the games that you have to test out where you've just come from a 7-2 thrashing of a Liverpool side that many people didn't expect to be losing this early into the season. Um can you then go and capitalize on that and get another win? Or do you then lose and then it kind of evens itself out in that, you know, you you may have beat Liverpool, but then you go and lose to Leicester, which, which is, you know, it's it's still a hard game at playing at Leicester at the King Power Stadium. But I just think 
consistency is going to be the downfall for Aston Villa for this specific game. I think Leicester are going to enjoy playing against them. And I'm going to go with a... I'm going to go with a 3-2. I I don't think Aston Villa get that third goal that you've 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 touted there. I think it's going to be 3-2 to Leicester. I can see Vardy definitely shining in this game and it's definitely one to watch this weekend. I know we've mentioned quite a few games that look like they're going to be quite tasty. This is another sneaky one and do you agree it could end up stealing the weekend? Yeah, I think this could well be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Like you've obviously listed the two sort of on paper biggest games being City and Arsenal, Liverpool and Everton. But I do think this one has the potential to be the most exciting game of the weekend. Well, one game that I'm not confident saying will be the most exciting game of the weekend. It's West Brom versus Burnley. Uh, are you going to be going for a high score in this game? If you, if you, if you, if you just sniff, re- get that. <laughs> oh, that's a nil nil. No, that, that's the distinctive smell of a nil nil. Um, this, this, this could be a stinker of a game. Let, let's be fair. Uh, Burnley have started the season in rotten form as have West Brom. Neither look like they've got much clue going forward. It, it, it doesn't promise to be a good one. I'm, I'm just going to say nil, nil and hope that you move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look for me. I, I don't think this is going to be the game that many people are going to be tuning into but you know if if you're a Burnley fan not having tasted a win or even a draw this season in the Premier League you're going to be eyeing this game and hoping that the team can get something out of this game and then a West Brom team that you know they've at least had a draw this so they've got a one-up on Burnley and that they've had a draw in this season can they get a win against a team that isn't playing particularly well this season your nil-nil scoreline isn't a bad shout, but I, I just think something has to give, man. Someone has to get a win, um, their first win of the season. And I'm going to say it's going to be Burnley. It's going to be 1-0. Um, I'm, I'm not as confident in this scoreline as my other scorelines because I, I think nil-nil is a decent shout. But I I just think that Burnley have to get a win. It, it, it's just desperation mode at the moment. And hopefully for their fans and they get the win... Our last game of the weekend, and it's probably fitting that after West Brom Burnley, if if it does end up being a low-scoring game, this is a game that surely is going to have bags of goals. It ends the the weekend off nicely. It's Leeds versus Wolverhampton, a Leeds side that looks like a team that probably is one of the best neutral teams to watch this season if, if you want exciting games against the Wolves team that doesn't shy away from scoring goals. How do you see this game panning out? I'm slowly falling in love with this Leeds team, um, rekindling my romance with with Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, (laughs) Wolves haven't started the season well, and obviously they didn't have a good result against West Ham. They have good players, though. Um, They weren't particularly good against Fulham, but should have won more comfortably than they did. I think Leeds will win this game. I think I think Wolves had a weird transfer window where I, I kind of look at them and think that they're, they're worse than they were last season. I, I think that's my big takeaway from their transfer windows. I think they actually got worse. Uh, now, long term, I think they'll be better. But for the immediate, I, I think they'll take a step back and maybe drop a couple of places in the league. Uh, Leeds are just... They're, they're lots of fun going forward. I don't know that there's... 
I think maybe the one thing they missed on in the transfer window was was getting that kind of guaranteed 15 to 18 Premier League goals a season striker. But Bamford has started the season really well. Rodrigo got his first goal last time out. They've got lots of attacking weapons. So maybe as a collective group, they can score the goals they need to, to accomplish their goals. I think, we'll, uh, I think Wolves come into this game a little bit shook. I don't like the defense. I, I, I'm going to go Leeds 3-2. Oh, I like that. I like the fact that the weekend then ends off with a bunch of goals for us to just enjoy after watching Monday Night Football, which seems to be comedy gold at, at, at times. Look, looking into this game, I agree with you that they're going to be goals. I think this lead side is really, really exciting this season. And for me, it feels like they're playing like they've got nothing to lose. And they're just going into games. Let's see if we can if we can score more goals than you. And, you know, they played against uh, Man City side last time around. They managed to get that draw. And it, it was still an exciting game despite, you know, it ending up with a draw. I think it's probably one of the better advertisements for any draws in in a, in a game and then you look at the wolf side as you mentioned it's been a topsy turvy transfer window i think the team needs to regain its identity a little bit which is weird considering you kind of know how they're going to play but i just think the pieces that they've brought in need to now then gel and mesh into what they had last season i was hoping that this wolf wolf side especially without europe was going to capitalize on that this season but I don't think they're going to be able to do it just yet at the moment um, I think the international break hasn't been great for them with the amount of international players that they do now have you look at even the likes of Connor Cody is not going on international duty whereas he would have probably had you know two weeks to prepare for this game does that affect them in this game I think it does against the lead side who you know they're going to be well drilled with um, Bielsa and as you said falling in love with the team I think everybody is falling in love with them that obviously isn't a rival of theirs I'm gonna go with a 2-1 Leeds win and I'm I'm not I, I can't end the podcast without banking a Jimenez goal because he is one of my favorite fantasy players I brought him back into my fantasy team after a little hiatus and quite frankly I'm I'm desperate for the fantasy points so I'm going to go with a Jimenez goal despite them losing 2-1 in this game um anything to round off how how are you excited for this weekend how you're going to be viewing everything have you got multiple screens set up and all that yeah I've got three screens that I use um now obviously don't need to be using them all at the moment but um normally I I have three screens on the go I might I might put you know a Bundesliga game on one of them or something and see how we go with that uh yeah I, I think it's going to be an exciting weekend I think there's a lot of good games one or two stinkers you know United Newcastle West Brom Burnley um they they shouldn't be too much fun but I think the rest will be relatively entertaining and it, it's it's just that type of season so far without the fans in the stands the games are weird and I think players are playing a little bit more free which is why we're seeing more goals yeah, and and it's you know we we both wrestling fans and we've mentioned it earlier. There and it seems like the Premier League is moving into the pay per view sphere, which is funny because a lot of wrestling has moved away from that. Um, how do you see pay per view going? And I've got a solution for that. If if you don't want to to be paying 
all those different pay-per-view fees um are, are you going to be are, are you a fan of the pay-per-views no absolutely not i'm not paying for that trash <laughs> no 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 uh, i've got myself an iptv and I've, I've got myself a vpn and if you want a vpn i would highly recommend that you go to liberty shield they are presenting sponsors of this podcast obviously this podcast is presented by eplindex.com in association with liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com they'll sort you out make sure you got every single game you don't need to worry about which channel the different games are on you know there's some on bt some on sky amazon is in the mix i don't know who else they're gonna they're gonna rope in sky's now got pay-per-view games just cut that all out it's really such a headache and it's so unnecessary so i highly recommend getting liberty shield and sorting yourself out but for this podcast i think that's going to do it for us dave uh do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up no just check out the two-footed podcast every day at 4 p.m and check out anfieldindex.com anfieldindex pro uh you can hear me there as well yeah from my end um i would highly recommend that you check out the epl index website we have match previews post-match reviews player performances and also all the news you could wish for if you want to just get updates on what's happened in the transfer window i know it's closed now but it's a good way just to get summaries of what went down because there were so many different deals that should have could have and didn't happen and some that did end up sneaking over the line of course dave has mentioned he's got the daily two-footer podcast each each and every day so have a listen to that some really really good content on there i'm loving the different interviews that you're getting on as well it's a nice way to just hear from different voices even though we get to hear your lovely voice each and every day then finally we've got the flagship show the epl roundtable it's hosted by kevin defries he sits down with the panelists of respected epl teams they review all of the games from the weekend and also preview the weeks ahead for those respective teams and any news in and around the league. This show has a brand new Twitter account. It's at tad at a tad predictable on Twitter, so you can follow that. Also, highly recommend you follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give it five stars. Write some positive comments if you feel so inclined. All of that good stuff really helps us, um, and we would appreciate that. I've been Tadiwa Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predictable. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle. He's on Twitter at Guy Drinkle. He's been Dave Hendrick at Two Footed Pod, at Two Footed Pod on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chino Shura. Podcast Network.